Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. I tried to give you a lot of good information continuing the series of hard questions 
uh, real answers. One of the biggest problems, or uh, really it's probably not to say a, a problem, but people will cast doubt to you about the Word of God. Now, like I say, as I asked these questions last week, last Sunday morning, we looked at creationism versus uh, Darwinism. And just that is the school of thought, the commonly accepted uh, answered, where did we come from? Did we all come from nothing? And, uh, but, I mean, if you keep going back, you know, well, where did man come from? Well, he came from a monkey, and where'd that come from? He came from this, and, and you go all the way back to a single-celled organism. Where'd that come back? It came from a, a, a bunch of chemicals that reacted one time in the billions and billions of years. And where did that come from? Well, it was a rock. And where did that come from? It was an explosion of a big bang of nothing. Where did that come from? What caused the explosion? You keep going back. Nobody can answer any of those questions for any thing to happen there must be a cause there must be a cause and we believe of course that cause was god and uh now we can say well i just believe it why just because well there are more answers than saying just because now uh there, there are so many uh, uh holes in different arguments but people won't say well that is a doctor, professor, Ph.D. Do not question them. Question them. <laughs> Ask questions. Do research. There have been many of scholarly or just simply curious people that said, why? You know, I mean, you give a three-year-old sentences and ask any parent or grandparent here. A three-year-old asks why? Some of us aren't smart as a three-year-old. We won't ask why, all right? Or how did that happen, you know? Why? And then a big kicker. So that's just in your thing. A lot of people say, don't question people who are educated. It's okay. Matter of fact, I tell people, uh, people have questioned the Bible. And and I, I tell them all the time, bring it on. It's never been proven wrong. It's never been defeated. Many people have tried. They've gone away. Empty. Matter of fact, a lot of them go away saved. I'm just going to share that story with you. Second Timothy three sixteen and verse 17. All Scripture. Now, people say, well, we're living in the New Testament days. We're supposed to be under the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament Scripture, too. And guess what it says here? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that means teachings, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, it says if you have a King James Bible, perfect, that just means mature, all right, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped, Unto all good works. So this Bible is my instruction booklet. As I look here, and there's a lot in the outline, I do not believe I'm going to finish this outline. I may finish it tonight. Now, I was kind of torn because I showed, last Monday I showed this documentary and probably will eventually show it to the church I want to show you a clip from it. If you have internet at home, you may want to look it up. It's called 180 The Movie. Just go to YouTube. The whole thing's there. 
is put out free, uh, 180 the movie. And what it is, is again, taking a stand in our day, taking a stand for God's word, and also taking a stand for uh, against abortion, which he says, Ray Comfort, who does the documentary, um, and it's pretty cool how that he gets these people to do a complete, I'm all for, that's what the people say and culture says, I'm all for women's rights, and women have a right to choose, and women have a right to that. After the talk, they do a complete 180, and that's hence the name of the movie. 180themovie.com, and uh, you can do that, or just YouTube it, and go there, well, it's a, I think a 31-minute documentary, but it's amazing, and you know what it leads? It leads to not only these people changing their mind, just in a street corner conversation, but it also leads to the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared, which is the coolest part about it, and show you how that you can stand for good biblical morals in today's world, and still witness to people concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, he uses, matter of fact, he asked a bunch of people on the street, he said, have you ever heard of Adolf Hitler? Who is that? And a lot of people never, ever heard on the street corner. You ought to see the interviews. It's crazy. People have never heard of Nazism or Adolf Hitler. But one guy did. And matter of fact, he was a neo-Nazi, he hated all Jews. He got a chance to share the gospel with him, and uh, it was a pretty neat, neat deal. It is, I have to warn you, though, it is a documentary. There are some, they do a great job of some people who are just uh, uh, just ranting and raving and then bleeping out, blurring the mouth, you know, and bleeping out the words. And uh, that's part, which makes it, it says, for mature audiences, and the reason it's for mature audiences, I would still show it in church, kind of like the, the uh, just like here at our church, we shared the Passion of the Christ, which is a very bloody movie. I mean, tremendously bloody. Not This isn't bloody, but it does show the dead bodies of Jews who were slaughtered in uh, the Nazi concentration camps, and that's about as gruesome as it gets, is uh, just showing those... Jews who who died in those Nazi concentration camps, and uh, so you do have to preface it by saying that's going to be. And you, if you did the Passion of the Christ, you'd have to preface that one. In other words, saying, "Hey, yes, this is for uh, you know prepare if you have allow kids to watch something like that. Pretty rough." Let me share this with you. Some things I put in the introduction about uh, Josh McDowell. I just want to point you that there's plenty of works out there to arm yourself. A lot of people think, well, well, somebody said at college that the Bible cannot be trusted. I guess I believe them. The Bible can't be trusted just because somebody said it. But that's the attitude a lot of college students will take. Well, man, they're a senior. They're a professor. They said the Bible cannot be trusted. So I just guess that's right. And nobody has ever tried to go against that statement. Well, you know, excuse my Texan, but bull corn. You know, yes, there's been lots of people that have gone against that. I don't, do not believe that the Bible cannot. Oh, by the way, the Bible can stand on its own. We don't even have to prop it up. All right. Don't even have to prop it up. Uh, just some great uh, deals. Two books by Josh McDowell. I don't I, I know this one. I think it's in the library. I don't know about this one. 
uh, ready defense, uh, 60 vital lines of defense for Christianity arranged, easy reference. I love the DVDs. Some of you are visually based and love to watch rather than read. That's fine. We've got an armament of DVDs on some of these subjects. All right, he writes that. One of his greatest works. Oh, by the way, guess what? He was in college, going to college, and he said uh, his daddy taught him on the farm, son, if it don't work, chuck it. (laughs) And Christianity didn't work for him, so he chucked it, became an atheist. But then certain people, as an atheist, I mean, atheists are great targets. Guess what? They already tell you they're not saved. If I say, I'm an atheist, that's like saying, I'm not saved, I'm not saved, I don't know Jesus, I don't know Jesus. I mean, you just put a target on your back if you tell me you're not an atheist. That's a great person to witness to. They're not saved. rest of you, I don't know. But if you say you're an atheist, I know you're not. Okay? So, if it's true, what you're saying is in your heart. This fellow goes to college. He's not an atheist. Lo and behold, certain people start getting saved. And there's a huge amount of this thick book. You say, I don't want to read it. Well, just do like me. Read the parts you want to read. <laughs> That's all I do. Just read the parts that, hey, I want to find out about more about how to prove the Bible is true. So guess what? Look in the table of contents. Prove the Bible is true. Ah, there's all this evidence. I just read that chapter because that's all I want. But if I want to read about the historical evidences of a resurrected Savior, I go to that chapter and just read it. I don't have to read the cotton-picking whole book. Excuse me, he's texting again. But it's there. There's stuff out here for us to look at. We don't have to walk around saying, well, I just got to accept what people tell me because I don't have no other way to know. I don't have any other way to believe. There's plenty of stuff out there. He says here, uh, his... My new friends, this is at college, issued me a challenge I couldn't believe. They challenged me, a pre-law student, to examine intellectually the claim of Jesus Christ as God's Son. I thought this was a joke. These Christians were so dumb. In other words, he's a pre-law student, so he's going to say, I'd just show these dumb Christians, you know, a thing or two. And, uh, but they didn't let up. So the Christians said, try to prove it wrong. Go, go for it. That's what I'm telling everybody. You can tell everybody. They didn't let up. They continued to challenge me day after day, and finally they backed me in the corner. I became so irritated at their insistence that I finally accepted their challenge, not to prove anything, but to refute them. I decided to write a book that would make an intellectual joke of Christianity. Yeah. I left the university, traveled throughout the United States and to Europe, gathered gathered evidence to prove that Christianity is a sham. One day, while I was sitting in a library in London, England, going over documents and manuscripts that are hundreds, if not thousands of years old, he realized he didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) But but he says, I just suppressed that. But every day I would study, and I began to realize the more I traveled in the libraries in Cambridge, Oxford, that the evidence was mounting up, and that I was intellectually dishonest if I claimed that the Bible was untrue. Mm. Later on, of course, he gets saved. And uh, he writes this about his dad. 
And this is the, the final part of He Changed My Life chapter. He says, you can laugh at Christianity, you can mock and ridicule it, but it works. If you trust Christ, start watching your attitudes and actions. Jesus Christ is in the business of changing lives. Christianity is not something to be shoved down your throat or forced upon you. You have your life to live and I have mine. And all I can do is tell you what I've learned and experienced. After that, what you do with Christ is your decision. Perhaps the prayer I will pray for you. And it just gives a prayer to pray. And so just a neat, neat book. Josh McDowell on the back. And a picture of them there. So just some great, great references. Uh, quickly, uh, let's head to Hebrews. Uh, back to, uh, just back a few pages here. Hebrews chapter... Uh, whoop, whoop, getting ahead of myself. Second Peter 1 and 1 Corinthians. There we go. Second Peter chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to get both these scriptures ready. I hope you're following along. Is the Bible inspiring or, or expiring? Just Let's just talk about the word inspired just for a second. The Bible itself claims to be inspired. Now, on down later to uh, Roman numeral 4, it says, it says self-authentication. That's like saying, I can do... 100 push-ups. And and see, I'm claiming that for myself. And therefore you say, well, how do you know? Because I say I can. Well, that doesn't, that's called circular reasoning in a simple form. Basically saying this, just because somebody or something says it doesn't mean it's real. Well, what it is, it's, is okay to say that if you can back it up if you as a participant or a person or entity claiming to do something that you prove it. You prove it by your existence or you prove it by what you do. The Bible claims itself to be the Word of God. Guess what? But it also proves to be the Word of God in that, that it matches up. In also this, it proves it in historical accounts as well as today's accounts of changing lives. By the way, the word inspired means God breathed. Now, how did the Bible come into existence? Many of you know. Some of you may not know. It took, and and see what happened was, was uh, back during the days of Moses, the traditions were passed down in the Jews. It was a huge thing. Now, some believe it was passed down through skulls, scrolls or oral traditions. They believed in tremendous accuracy and memorization, especially of historical accounts. Then the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, most people believe that Moses, they say, well, he wrote it. Basically, he assembled it. He assembled it from those who passed it down or the ancient writings. They gathered it together. He didn't write the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Probably Joshua did that because it records his death. All right, that's Deuteronomy chapter 34. Now, it took about 40 different guys about 1,500 years. And even with the silent period in between the Old and the New Testament, there was people say, well, all they did was write that to match up with the Old Testament prophecies. Well, well, dude, then you're going to have to get about uh, 
a dozen different guys at least spread over a hundred years to write something that perfectly matches up. And they didn't always see each other when they wrote it. You know, Paul wasn't hanging around Peter when they wrote each other's Gospels. And John wasn't hanging. He was condemned on the Isle of Patmos. And they came together and they say, well, there's very little evidence. There's 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. 5,000 manuscripts of the New Testament that were going around. And guess what? They had very, very few punctuation mistakes, much less any other mistakes. Now, this is really cool. God just saying, I told you so. I love it when God every now and then does that. He'll say, I told you so. Well, the oldest copies of the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, that they have dated to about 1,000 A.D. Okay? So they've got these, and they've, you know, in a lot of... Uh, people that were manuscript uh, professors and different things and people that studied the Bible said, well, I wish we had an older copy of the Old Testament and all those books. There's 39 books there. And I uh, wish we had an older copy. You know, uh, we believe that this Masoretic text, which is a, a, a text uh, through the uh, Europe, anyway, that this text is accurate. But it only dates back to 1000 A.D., one day in 1948, there was this little boy. Little boys out here, I've gotten on to some of them. Did y'all know boys love to throw rocks? Boys, even in the Middle East, boys love to throw rocks. There was this little boy, and he was throwing a rock one day, and guess what? It went into a cave, and he heard pottery breaking. Cool. Go in there. He sees all kinds of big uh, pottery vessels. I mean, huge ones. Opens them up, and there's scrolls stuck down in them. So he grabs one of the vases, we'd call it a vase, and takes it into Jerusalem. Says, hey, of course, guess what? He, can I get any money for this? They, well, the person that he was trying to sell it to realizes it's very old. Animal skin parchments. Really cool. Sealed up in this clay pottery. They go out there. And they find this. Now this is the hardback version, not leather skin version. In English, the complete Dead Sea Scrolls in English. A lot easier for me to read than Hebrew. You can ask uh, Trey about reading Hebrew. And, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, the complete thing. And guess what? Because of the archaeological record, the pottery fragments and all that, they go ahead before they... Dis before they even authenticate what all the scrolls are about, it's easy to see this style of pottery and this style of pottery. This dates to about 4 B.C., a thousand years previous to the oldest records they had of Old Testament manuscripts. They go through, and guess what they find? They find every Old Testament book besides the book of Esther, Okay. And guess how many mistakes they found compared with the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were a thousand years older, compared with what they had from a thousand A.D. Zero changes. Perfect copies. So the copies they had in a thousand A.D. were exactly like the ones that dated a thousand, a little bit over a thousand years previous. 
the Word of God. It can be trusted. The word inspired just means God breathed and God inspired men to write the Word of God, the, the, if you will. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This tells us how it happened. Now, and then in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 13, and I'll just go over this real quick. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. In other words, the Holy Spirit led the men how to write it, and it leads us how to read it. Okay, so basically this. Say, um, you know, Trey and I live back in the New Testament days, the Bible's still being formed, and his style of writing is a fast, action-paced narrative, kind of like Luke. I mean, you want to see action? I mean, people being slaughtered for their faith and having a challenge to stand, it's a fast, action-paced narrative. But say, then you've got me, Brother Michael. Well, and I'm in jail, and I'm writing part of the, a letter that I may not know at the time I'm writing it will become, in, it's called the canon, in other words, what's accepted as the Word of God. And, uh, and I don't know it, but I'm being led by the Holy Spirit to write an instructional letter to a young preacher by the name of Timothy. Don't realize that my very words are being motivated in me. I have my own style, and it's more of a concern, letter of concern. And so God lets me write my own style, but He motivates me, inspires me, moves me to write the exact words that later would be read by a bunch of other people that can be is the inspired Word of God. Now, what's really neat. Is the is a whole different sermon, but here, what is my whole point? What is my whole point? When you leave today, you say, "What did Brother Michael want us to leave with?" The Bible can be trusted. The Bible can be trusted. There is insurmountable evidence, both historically, archaeologically, in the big, thick Dead Sea Scroll. I mean, you can go on and on. They've tried to prove it. Atheists have tried to prove it. And probably the most... Uh, and again, if you're visually oriented, you want to go to the library and check out that three DVD set by Lee Strobel. And it has in there the case for faith. And in there it says that people argue against the Bible. Just watch it. The interviews of those uh, 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 professors and instructors and uh, uh, people who have done all the research. We don't even have to do it. It's been done for us. All we have to do is say, I want to read that chapter. That's the information I'm looking for. And folks, many people, whether it be Lee Strobel, who's again a Yale law graduate, was challenged by his little dear wife who went to a Bible study and got saved and her atheist Yale graduated husband who's an atheist, says, honey, I just don't have time for that 
hocus pocus or that uh, fables that somebody just made up. That's what people said. Some old man just wrote it down and made it up. Wrong. History, archaeologically, scientifically, it all makes perfect sense. And the people that wrote a thousand years before agreed with, or the people that wrote a thousand years later agreed with those people. So the Bible can be trusted. Let me ask you this. Here is another question. And this is probably all I'm going to be able to get to. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 now in verse 18. Want to glance down at. And basically, somebody will say this. Well, it can't be trusted because it's full of mistakes. Well, I just gave you this evidence that it's not full of mistakes. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, the 5,000 manuscripts in the New Testament verify that there are no, there, there may be punctuation errors or this or that, or maybe copyist errors, as they would say. But it, nevertheless, the Bible, listen to this. If it is, let me say this. This is very simple logic and will increase your faith. If this is the Word of God, it cannot have a mistake or a contradiction in it, or else it is not the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. That by two immutable, that means unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or strong assurance who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Guess what's happening here? And, and I, folks, I know. I, I knew this would be a challenge to preach to you, especially this much information. This is not... Uh, huh. This is not Chuck Norris and a bunch of thousand bullets and machine guns. This is not the action movie, all right? But this is more or less the drama that sets it up. Why are people willing to die for a lie or for truth? I persuade you people are willing to die for the truth. That's what you're holding in your hand. The Word of God cannot have a lie in it or a contradiction in it, or else it's not the Word of God. Now, some people say, I found a contradiction. Well, then you study it and you found out it wasn't a contradiction after all. Or you look at it and you say, I found a mistake. And then you study it and you find, well, that really wasn't a mistake after all. Matter of fact, I love the Share Jesus Without Fear book, William Fay. You know, somebody, here you go, Brother Bobby, let me, I know you got your places, Mark. You got the Bible and, you know, and you're, I'm wanting to witness to you and, uh, and tell you and you say, well, preacher, I, I, you know, I appreciate you. You're a nice guy and all, but that Bible is full of mistakes. And nicely, okay, can you find one? And uh, he says, well, no, not right. Okay, me either. Let's turn to Romans and let's talk about how we're all sinners before God. All right, just move right on. All right, most people aren't prepared to back it up. And even if they are prepared to back it up, then just study it together and just see. But the thing is, this is what I want you to leave with. These two young men who came up, who got their Bibles, 
Parker and Jonathan. We're handing them something that they can trust or not trust. They're giving their life to something they can trust or not trust. Why are we here? Can we trust the Word of God? There are volumes and volumes that say we can trust the Word of God. Folks, the Bible, this is a great classic too, W.A. Criswell, why I preach that the Bible is literally true. It is without mistake. Uh, Some people say plenary and verbal, which means the very words are inspired. Not the ideas or concepts. The very original words are inspired. Whenever you have the English part, all it is is synonyms for what it says in the Greek and the Hebrew. Now, listen to me very closely. I try my very best. Now, it's almost invitation time. Listen to me. I try to preach this because I know most of you, I can only hold you 30 minutes, all right? So I'm only going to give you 30 minutes shovel scoop, all right? That's all I'm going to give you. Listen to me very closely. And looking at this, as we look at God's Word here this morning, I want you leaving, knowing. Well, Brother Michael believes that we should trust God's Word. But I say, we all can leave knowing that we can trust God's Word. God's Word tells us it's the only book that tells us why everything's messed up. Did you know that? It's the only book in history that tells us why everything's messed up. It's called sin. Everything's messed up because of sin and what Adam did. Well, I want to ask you this. If your life is in a mess right now, Or if things aren't just going very well. The Bible can be trusted. One of the greatest verses in the Bible, of course, is John 3.16. But another really great one is Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a free gift. Uh, there was a. It's hard to try to get along with everybody. There's a preacher just this last several months, and uh, he led his church, and he had been at his church pastoring. And I forget the name of the church. We can look it up on AFR.net because that's where I heard it. And uh, anyway, in his liberal town that he lived in, uh, the homosexuals in the town bought out a couple of billboards that said, homosexuality is a gift from God. Well, it really flew in the face of what the church and the Bible stands for. I mean, if this is true, then guess what? That billboard is untrue. So he, you know, being very uh, stable in his church, as so it says, church, I think we need to just let's promote the Bible. Let's just promote. If they're gonna, if they can do that with freedom of speech, then we can too. 
And so they got twice as many billboards, and they did this. Simple statement in their billboards in that same town. Homosexuality is not a gift from God. But eternal life and grace and salvation are. Simple. But that's what this book stands for. It stands against sin. And it stands for eternal life, a free gift from God. I didn't think that was offensive. Now, that definitely offended them, though. But it's a pretty simple statement. It's not a gift from God. They didn't go into all the scriptures that say that it's an abomination, but they just said, guess what is? Eternal life, salvation, and grace. As we prepare for a hymn invitation, we bow. Father, I just thank you for allowing us to, just for a few minutes this morning, see that how we can trust you and your word. Now, I know that there are a bunch of people here this morning that take that for granted. They have trusted you and your word their entire lives, and there's no questioning it. There's no question about it. But, Father, many of the faith of our children and grandchildren are challenged every day at college, every day at the workplace. People may uh, ridicule their faith in what's not understood or in a book that is old, but dear Lord, it is your word. Help us to realize that the evidence is insurmountable. Just because that the world attacks it doesn't change anything. Father, help us if we believe it to live like we believe it. There's so many of us that say we believe it, but we don't live like it. Dear Lord, help us to stand firm on your word and what it teaches. In Jesus' name, amen.